0: All right, guys. You are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today we are talking about the team's ongoing cap issues, the fifth year option deadline, and what exactly is the Falcons big picture plan to building this team for the near future? You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong, however, on Twitter at Falcfans, and of course the host of this illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Falcons is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. So guys, today we're going to be talking about um, the fifth year option deadline that's coming up Monday. As you are listening to this, we'll talk about what the team will do in terms of freeing up salary cap space uh, to get their rookies signed and and more potential moves that could be on the horizon later this summer. And then we'll sort of talk about like, what's the big picture plan? And I still have questions uh, coming out of draft weekend over whether or not you know this plan this track that the Falcons have, are currently headed at least as far as I perceive it—is been the, the track that they've been headed all along it just kind of seems like they're figuring out as they go but we'll get further into that and I'm sure many of you have not listened to the podcast over the weekend you listened to it Friday when we talked about the Kyle Pitts selection and then you decided to pick it up again Monday on your morning commute well guess what you missed two entire podcast on Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, of course, was recapping the moves on day two. Uh, Sunday was recapping the moves on day three. You also heard my sort of draft grade uh, for the entire draft class on Sunday as well. And some of the things that we're going to talk about on today's episode, if you missed particularly Saturday's episode, when we talked specifically about Jalen Mayfield, um, as well as Sunday towards the end, talking about why I gave the grade that I gave, you know, you're going to be out of the loop a little bit, as we pick up today on Monday. So I would highly recommend you pause today's episode. If you haven't listened to Saturday and, and, and Sunday's episodes, go listen to those first, then come back and listen uh, to today's episode, Monday's episode. Uh, and therefore you will understand the full context of what we're talking about. So um, let's jump in to Monday's Fifth year option deadline. We'll find out today as many of you are listening to this. Some of you already know the answer to this when you decide to listen to this episode, but we're going to find out the Falcons have extended the fifth year option for Hayden Hurst. It's also been reported, although nothing is official. As of this recording, but I'm sure it will become official on Monday that the team is expected to pick up Calvin Ridley's $11 million fifth year option for the 2022 season. But time will tell if they decide to pick up Hayden Hurst's $5.5 million option. One would assume now with the selection of Kyle Pitts, uh, the answer is they are probably not going to pick up Hayden Hurst's option, but at least my perception, given what the moves that this regime is making and seemingly like they're making it up as they go along. I can't say that definitively more on that later in today's episode. Uh, So if the Falcons don't pick it up, it means Hurst will be a free agent after this upcoming season. And for the record, Kyle Pitts 2022 cap hit is expected to be roughly $7.5 million. So essentially the Falcons, if they do decide to pick up Hearst's option of $5.5 million, they'll be paying him over $5 million to be a backup tight end. So that's part of the reason why I don't think we will see that happen. And, you know, between Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, at least, Looking ahead to their 2022 salary cap hits, they're currently projected on the books for $38 million in cap space devoted to those three primary receivers, which is about 18% of the projected 2022 salary cap of around $205 million. And obviously, I don't see the team devoting 18% of their salary cap to weapons. Um, And I don't think, you know, something's got to give. And I don't think it's going to solely be, well, they will just give Calvin Ridley an extension and lower that number. Um, So I do feel like the thing that's going to give is going to be them parting ways with Julio Jones eventually. Um, Now, obviously, they could decide to part ways with Julio Jones sooner rather than later, meaning this summer in a post June one trade. Um, But that would only really save them about four million dollars in terms of their salary cap, uh, at least uh, in 2022, because while it would clear a lot of space today you would still have to carry over $15 million in dead money next year in 2022, if you were to trade Julio Jones this summer. So even if you did trade Julio Jones, you're not really lowering the amount of money that you're devoting to your top three receivers next year. It goes from 18% to like 16.6%. So In that scenario, you're still paying a absorbent amount of money and you're not even getting the benefit of having Julio Jones on your team. So, as I said last week, um, when we talked about the reports and rumors about Julio Jones being on the trade block, my expectation is that 2021 will be Julio Jones's last year in Atlanta. And then the team after the season is going to make him a post June one cap cut in order to avoid that fate that we're talking about and devoting a large amount of their salary cap space to him in 2022 and not getting the benefit of his playing time. They still will devote money to him in 2022 in dead money if they did that decision, but it would be significantly less than what we're talking about. Uh, So the reason I say that, is because I just want people to be emotionally and mentally prepared. All indicators seem to be pointing, at least for me, that this is going to be Julio's so-called last dance here in Atlanta. So I just want people to understand that and thus make it doubly appreciative of everything that we're going to see and hear from Julio Jones over the next 11 months, because I think it's going to be the last 11 months that we see number 11 in a Falcons uniform. So that would be my advice. So appreciate that man as much as we can. But uh, speaking of Julio Jones, the Falcons in terms of freeing up cap space, have more moves that they need to make uh, before they can sign this uh, 2021 draft class. And I'll be upfront with you. I'm at a loss for how they are exactly going to do it. Uh, and we'll try to talk through some of their options as we continue today's podcast. But before we get there, guys, I want to let you know that you should be checking out, the litany of shows that are covering this 2021 draft on the lockdown podcast network, whether they're checking out locked on today, locked on NFL, locked on NFL draft draft dudes podcast, or you just want to figure out what each team has done. And you can find a, Daily podcast devoted to all 32 teams on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you can find all this entire smorgasbord of podcasts on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Falcon fans, I want you to listen up. Nugenix is the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. It's offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total Tea, All you got to do is text draft to two, three, one, two, three, one. This unique man boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increases energy and lean muscle mass. If you're 40 or like me approaching 40, don't let age get in the way. Get your edge back with Nugenics. Plus if you text now, they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape. Absolutely free text draft to two, three, one, two, three, one. That's draft to 231 231. Message and data rates may apply. So, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at bet online. This weekend had tons of sports action on the go with the NFL draft and the first leg of the Triple Crown in the Kentucky Derby. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game. Head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. BetOnline gives you all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Head to over to the website at BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we have a question on how the Falcons are going to clear cap space in order to sign their rookies, and I don't have the answer uh, to that question. We don't quite yet know the details of A.J. McCarron's one-year deal that he signed with the team on Friday, but we can guess that he probably got the veteran minimum given the minimal amount of cap space that the Falcons had, and that probably also included a modest signing bonus. And let's assume it's the same size bonus that players like Steven means and Josh Andrews got. So he's going to cost a little shy of $1 million that would put the Falcons at about 600,000 under the salary cap in order to sign the rookie class. They're going to need about $5.7 million or at least be under $5.7 million, which means they have to free up a little bit, uh, more than $5 million. And there are many ways that they can do this. I've outlined them on previous episodes last week when we talked about the Julio trade rumors on Tuesday, I believe it was, um, you know, they could restructure Grady Jarrett or Julio Jones's contract. They could trade either player. They could extend either player. Um, they could cut or trade players. Like Isaiah Oliver Hayden, Hurst and Dejounte Sonat. Those three moves alone, if they cut slash traded Oliver Hurst and Sonat. Uh, would free up about four and a half million dollars. So that would get you most of the way there. And then you can maybe tweak a contract here or there and you'd be good. Um, So I think the easiest move for the Falcons would be to just do a simple max restructure on Grady Jarrett. That would get you close to about $7 million and basically cover your bases. Obviously we all sit here somewhat nervous uh, that some team is going to come along in the next two or so months offer the Falcons a high pick and to take Julio Jones off their hands. And the Falcons would get $15 million in savings. And that would certainly solve their salary cap problems, not necessarily their football problems. Cause we'd be losing Julio Jones and certainly not my mental health problems uh, because we'd be losing Julio Jones, but it would certainly solve the issues with the team's wallet. Um, but, it's really not just simply, oh, we just need to free up space for our rookies because we need to have some cushion going into the season in the event of injuries and needing to make mid moves. You also have to deal with the fact that currently league rules mean that you only have to count the f- top 51 players, the top 51 highest paid players on your roster currently. But when the season kicks off, all 53 guys that you will wind up keeping on your roster will count towards the salary cap. And so as things currently stand, that probably means that you're going to, need to be able to have an extra one and a half million dollars to go from 51 to 53 players uh, as your cushion. Um, and so we can guesstimate what type of cushion you want going into the season, maybe $3 million in salary cap space that would allow you to sign basically three three or four veterans in the event of injury mid-season or whatever the case may be. So it does seem like you take the 5 million to sign the rookies, one and a half $3 million. That number, in fact, in terms of how much cap space the Falcons have to clear uh, between now and September is closer to $10 million, um, which, you know, that's why the possibility of trading Julio, while I continue to believe is unlikely, isn't completely off the table, isn't completely a non-starter as much as we would like to believe it is uh, because $15 million definitely allows you to clear $10 million. And then also gives you $5 million that you can play with to improve the roster and, and, as we get further in today's episode, there may be reasons why you would want to try to use that extra space to improve the roster in certain areas of the roster. Uh, But more on that later. Uh, So if I'm betting, and this is purely a guess, my guess is how they will do it. They will probably restructure Grady Jarrett. That's going to get you that $6.75 million. That's going to allow you to sign your draft class and maybe a veteran or two going into training camp. Let's say whether you do it this before training camp or at the end of training camp, you cut and trade Isaiah Oliver and Deidre Sonat, and that's going to get you to about $9.2 million. So I I feel like that's probably is going to be the bulk of what solves the Falcons salary cap problem. So that's why I can sit here and say with some degree of confidence that they don't, they're probably not going to trade Julio Jones because they don't necessarily need to. Uh, So we'll see how it plays out, but I don't know. And, you know, looking at the numbers, given that we're talking about cutting and trading guys like Isaiah Oliver and Dejan Sonat, I do think pretty much all the Falcons most recent starting or uh, draft picks that are on their rookie contracts are now on the bubble watch, right? Entering training camp. And that includes players like Quadri Olson, Kendall Sheffield, John Kaminsky, Jalen Hawkins, pretty much every draft pick over the last three or four years that has not sort of solidified a starting spot or is likely going to be competing for a starting spot is potentially on the bubble entering training camp. Now I do think guys like Olison and Sheffield and Kaminsky and Hawkins, most, if not all of those guys will wind up keeping their jobs uh, this season. And we'll talk about that further, you know, probably later this week, maybe on the podcast or maybe on Twitter. I don't, I haven't decided yet when we talk about my way too early roster prediction, post-draft or whatever the case may be. Um, But thing that's probably going to be clear is that you're, you're not going to see this new regime have that much loyalty to the previous draft picks, especially the day three guys that we're talking about. I do think guys like Michael Walker and Matt Hennessy are, are relatively safe, but I wouldn't certainly call them locks at this point in time. So all of this is really me just guessing. um, And it's, it's really difficult to sort of predict what this new regime is going to do in terms of how they free up salary cap space, because it's really difficult to predict what this new regime is going to do in general, because, So much of what they have done so far, at least from my perception, seems relatively uncoordinated. It feels like they're kind of making it up as they go. And we'll get into why I think that coming up and why I remain somewhat frustrated uh, by this draft class as we move forward and wrap up today's Locked On Falcons podcast. But before we get there, guys, maybe my confusion, maybe my frustration is simply because I'm hangry. And the way that I can solve that problem is by checking out the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's, of course, built bar. Of course, maybe I'm hangry. I'm hungry. I don't. I need to get more energy to my brain and that will settle me. You know, they say eat a Snickers. Well, guess what? Built bars taste just like a candy bar because they all have 100% real chocolate. You can get the peanut butter flavors coconut almond flavor. The coconut brownie chunk is the top flavor. It was voted number one in the Built Bar March Madness bracket from over a month ago. And you guys know that Built Bars, they're not just tasty. They're not just only tasting like a candy bar, but they're also healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. I like using them as low calorie meal replacements for breakfast and lunch. You can use them to give yourself an energy boost pre or post workout, however you want. All you got to do is head over to BuiltBar.com. use the promo code locked 15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So I've, I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of weeks and certainly over the weekend. Now that the draft is coming on praising Terry Fontenot and company for the solid to great job that he's done so far this off season. And frankly, you know, I, I have trouble sharing that sentiment. I don't think it's because I, Terry Fontenot has done a poor job, but it's hard for me to really see a clear vision when you look at the moves that they've made so far this offseason. It doesn't feel like there's a clear-cut plan. And I know you know some people will say, oh, Aaron, you're just butthurt because you wanted them to draft Justin Fields at four. And it's not just simply that. Um, you know, I'm not really butthurt about the decision to pass on Justin Fields at four and, and take Kyle Pitts. But I am still baffled somewhat by their decision not to take a quarterback because it seemed like all roads were leading that direction. And the conclusion I've reached is that while I was focused on the team taking Justin Fields, I think it was really Trey Lance that they were really after. And I'll give a shout out to Ben Graysbrook uh, for spelling it out in a couple of tweets that he had over the weekend. Ben is at Grazy Bizzle on Twitter, and I don't always reach the same conclusions or share the same opinions that Ben has, but he is definitely one of the smartest falcon fans that i know and i definitely respect the heck out of his opinions and you know he's literally the only falcon fan that i know that was regularly watching all 22 prior to 2015 so he holds a special place in my heart because i felt like i was the only person out there with certain opinions about the falcons back in the 2014 years uh, around that time and ben was the only other person that seemed to share those okay you get it too everybody else is just you know, crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm the same one. You and I are, are both the, the the few sane individuals here with, with some of these takes. But um, you know, I saw Ben say this over the weekend, and it sort of. Connected the, the missing dots, the missing link in my brain for me. And I'm not suggesting that Ben is the only person that has come to this conclusion. Perhaps there's been others, but it was basically his tweets that made it make sense for me. And basically, the conclusion I've reached is that the Falcons wanted Trey Lance, and had the 49ers not taken him at three, they would have taken him at four. And since he wasn't there, they went with their plan B, and that was Kyle Pitts. And obvious, obviously, for me, you know, I saw. Justin Fields is a superior quarterback to Trey Lance, but at least based off of the 2021 draft results, we can conclude that several NFL teams did not see it that same way. And you look at the teams at the top of the draft, San Francisco, Atlanta, Detroit, Denver, Carolina, all the teams that were rumored to be interested in the quarterbacks, all of them passed on Justin Fields until the bears got him at pick 11. Uh, So clearly if they were interested in a quarterback, uh, as the rumors and reports indicated they were interested in Trey Lance or Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. One of the quarterbacks that was not available to them at those picks between picks four and eight uh, or picks three and eight. So I basically, the reason I've reached this conclusion is because to me, if the plan all along, if plan a was always to get Kyle Pitts, the plan, IE the plan was to build around Matt Ryan. Then why did the Falcons choose to sit out free agency, right? If the plan is we're, we're all in on Matt Ryan for the next three plus years, why didn't the Falcons work harder to solidify their offensive line this offseason? Right? Wouldn't you want to protect Matt Ryan if you want to roll with him? Now you guys know I've been talking about the Falcons signing Joe Tooney since the fall, back in November. And by the end of February, I made peace with that not being a reality that was going to come true. But why wasn't there a Plan B? Right? We heard the rumors in early March that they were interested in, in New England Patriots center David Andrews. He wound up resigning with new England, but I, I kind of refuse to believe that basically it was David Andrews or bust. And they, he was the only free agent interior offensive lineman guard or center that was on their radar. What I'm saying is if the plan from the jump was to build around Matt Ryan and, and give him a weapon like Kyle Pitts, then why has the team seemingly neglected their offensive line? And yes, I'm aware that they drafted Jalen Mayfield and, and Drew Dahlman, but Mayfield's a project and, and Dahlman's a, a rookie center. You already had a, a green Young Center and Matt Hennessy. If your plan is to build around Matt Ryan, is to stick two very green guys on the interior, the part of your offensive line that arguably needs to be the strongest in order to maximize Matt Ryan's skill set. Now you can say, well, Aaron, maybe they have a lot more confidence in Josh Andrews and Matt Gono and Matt Hennessy uh, than you think they do. Okay. But those three guys, the veterans here, graded out in the bottom 10 percentile in pass protection according to pro football focus across all offensive linemen, 230 plus offensive linemen in 2020. So if the plan is to stick with Matt Ryan and you're basically going to throw five green and or unproven options to solidify two of your most glaring weaknesses of your entire offensive line, and that's your plan this off season, my friends, that sounds like a bad plan. So the only conclusion I can reach that makes logical sense to me is that wasn't their plan. So if I'm butthurt about anything in this draft, it's not the fact that the Falcons took Kyle Pitts number four. I'm like, I'm fine with that. You know, you you guys know I've I've been fine with that since early February, right? If I'm butthurt about anything, it's the Jalen Mayfield pick in round three. You know, Quinn Miners was sitting right there. I have to imagine they're not done addressing their offensive line. They can't be. I, I have to imagine that something is up their sleeve. Something else is coming down the pipe to improve their offensive line. And it's not just simply, Hey, give Dwayne Ledford all these young guys and he'll coach them up and we'll figure it out. The idea of building around Matt Ryan and going all in on Matt Ryan, whatever you want to call it, winning now, whatever you want to call it. And coupling that with going young on the offensive line are two incompatible ideas, incompatible guys for my Spanish speakers out there. So for me, when I hear people praising Terry Fontenot and the excellent job or solid job that he's done this offseason, I'm kind of baffled somewhat. Like if we're grading his job so far, to me, it's an incomplete. Now, maybe that's me because six months ago, you know, I was sitting there in my head thinking like, oh man, we're going to hire Eric bien and then we're going to go out there and sign Kelechi Osemele. He's going to solidify that left guard spot. And then Osemele got hurt. And obviously we didn't sign. We didn't hire Eric bien But then it was like, hey, we hired Arthur Smith and he hired Dwayne Ledford. Dwayne Ledford's an NC State guy. Joe Tooney's right there. Joe Tooney's an NC State guy. It's going to happen. And then obviously that didn't come true. And once I realized that we weren't going to spend in free agency, that Joe Tooney ship sailed. So I got excited. I'm like, okay, well, well, we'll figure it out in the draft, right? Oh, it's Landon Dickerson, Quinn Miners, right? Landon Dickerson is basically a more powerful version of Chris Lindstrom. We'll get him, right? But hey, man, we got quest- There's question marks about Landon Dickerson because of the, his injury history and the fact that he's coming off an ACL tear. Maybe he's not even going to be a week one starter. But hey, Quinn Miners is, is a really good plan B. Right? He tore it up at the, at the Senior Bowl. He was the best offensive lineman at the Senior Bowl. He was arguably the best player at the Senior Bowl, you hear some people tell him. And so even though we might be plugging in a a rookie like a Dickerson, like a Miners, that may be green in that position and they may go through some growing pains because they're basically on par or close to par with a Chris Lindstrom. We are willing to go through some of those growing pains in the first year or two because we know in years two, in years three, in years four, we're going to have a top 10, a top 15 player at their respective position. And you're willing to to make that sacrifice. I made peace with that going into the draft. I'm like, okay, we're going to figure it out. And then we drafted Jalen Mayfield for, for my money. You might as well just bring back Ty Braylor, Jamon Brown with that selection. You know, we spent the last decade basically talking about how terrible job Thomas Dimitrov was with evaluating offensive linemen and building an offensive line. And then Terry Fontenot in his first draft goes out and basically pull drafts Lamar Holmes 2.0. Right, Like I know people I'm going to get pushed back from being this down on Jalen Mayfield. Right, I know other people are going to look at the rankings and other people's scouting reports on him and be like, Aaron, you don't know what you're talking about. Look, it ain't the first time I've been on an island about a Falcons draft pick, right? You know, I I have absolute confidence in my in faith in my own evaluations of players. Like, you know, I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but you know, there's the same people that were telling me, you know, however many years ago, oh man, you know, he he has got some Grady Jarrett in him. You know, the same people, oh Vic Beasley, he's got Von Miller in him. You know, and I'm sitting here like, sure. So I don't have a problem being on an island, you know, when it comes to uh, this opinion of Jalen Mayfield. I know a couple of other people that I I tend to trust that are good at evaluating offensive linemen that also are not high on Jalen Mayfield. So that also gives me a little bit of confidence, but I I don't need to, to, to basically have, you know, other people agree with me to feel the way that I feel about that pick. So it just feels like they were going down a certain path and then the 49ers threw a wrench into that path and they had to veer off course. Right. When they selected Trey Lance. And so, you know, I have doubts now I have doubts. And those doubts came about all things came crashing down when they drafted Jalen Mayfield in the third round. And I was like, Oh, they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) Oh, okay. This makes sense. Right. You know, all this frustration would have been averted if they just had taken Quinn minus with that 68th overall pick. You know, I I feel like I'm, I'm LeBron James, you know, pleading to J.R. Smith, right. The meme, like, hey, Quinn Miners was right there. What are you doing? So, you know, we, we need to figure out whoever our, our big 10 scout is because this this person has been whiffing hardcore for decades, Right. I mean, just look, go back and go to pro football reference, go to drafthistory.com, wherever you got to go and look at the Falcons history draft and look at all the big 10 players, you know, Peter Kahn's, Rashid Higgman, Desmond Southwood, just to name a couple of the more infamous ones. Right. You know, Devondra Campbell, solid. Tevin Coleman, solid. Ricardo Allen, solid. You sure? You know, but basically outside of those three guys, you got to go all the way back to Jonathan Babineau before the Falcons had a real hit on a big 10 player. You know, it's basically Mike Ken cursed us until Michigan Wolverine. Mike King is inducted into the hall of fame. The Falcons will be forever cursed to whiff on big 10 players. It's ridiculous. You know, so maybe I should be happy that they passed on Justin Fields, right? He would have been an absolute bust here in Atlanta for, because for some reason we cannot hit on big 10 players. I say all this. I'm not saying Terry Fonda was a bad general manager. I just think thus far how quote unquote good a job he's done is is, is inconclusive at this point in time. You know, and, and this is not me throwing shade at anyone who's out there saying that they like what Terry Fontenot has done. It's just for me, that feels like false praise. For me, it feels like putting a positive spin on things for just for the sake of putting a positive spin on things. I, I just can't go there. I can't get there yet. Now, maybe they make moves. Later this summer. That's that's why I'm not I'm not trying to condemn anything. I'm just sitting here. I have questions. I have concerns. I have doubts, and I just I would love for someone to break it down for me. What what is it that they see that are that is so good? What is this so called genius moves that Terry Fontenot has done? You know I've said this since November. I don't really care what the plan is. Pick a path. Pick a plan, and let's go. You know, pick path A, pick path B, whatever, pick you know, go left, go right in the fork in the road and let's go. You know, if you want to go all in on Matt Ryan, then let's do that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. If you want to rebuild. Okay, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, but it just feels like to me, they're kind of straddling the fence They're you know, they're straddling both paths and then it's like, ah, we'll figure it out eventually, you know? And I know people will say, oh, Aaron, you're just being a contrarian, classic Aaron contrarian. You know everybody's out here praising the Falcons draft and giving them A's and whatnot, and then you had the audacity because you wanted to be different and give them a C plus on yesterday's episode. I just I just want someone to explain it to me. You know, we'll see what happens. I don't know, but I, I, Pitts great, Richie great, great. If if you missed it, love those picks. But you know, what are we doing with the offensive line, man? Like this was my number one concern going into the off season this was my number one concern. This is why I've been on the Joe Tooney. This is why I've been preaching Joe Tooney stuff, guys. This is my number one concern, but you know, I know I got to lower my expectations with this team. I'm like, ah, you know, I remember I was doing the Falcoholic live on Friday night. They were asking like, who do you think they're going to take in round three? I had, I didn't want to say Quinn the Miners. Like that was who I wanted them to pick, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to jinx it. Right. It was like, I don't want to say Quinn Miners and then them not do something else. So I'll say they'll take somebody else. I, th- I think I said Joseph Osai but secretly in my heart, I was like, please be Quinn miners. Please be Quinn miners. And then the Steelers pass on Quinn miners. Like, yes. Yes. Okay. We're going to get him, We're going to get him. But I know, no, Aaron, don't, don't hope. Don't hope. This is why, this is why I always say <laughs> lower your expectations. And we draft Jalen Mayfield. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I know people like him. I haven't really watched him. Then I watched four games of his Friday night. And I'm like this. Dude, okay. All right. Well, okay. So that's it. I'm done. I'm done. You know, we'll, we'll we'll have some guests on, and maybe they will be able to inform me on why the Falcons did the things that they did, or or maybe they will be a lot more optimistic and positive on Jalen Mayfield pick, and, and give me reasons to say, hey, it doesn't matter. You can be down on that pick, but hey, this Pitts pick, this Grant pick, the Dolman pick, et cetera, are so good that it's going to outweigh the fact that the Falcons completely whiffed on that pick. Why you always got to talk about the negative stuff, Aaron? talking about old stuff <laughs> let's talk about the new stuff let's talk about the that new shiny toy named Kyle Pitts just throw the ball to him right Matt Ryan doesn't need protection just throw the ball to him just just run screens Cordero Patterson Kyle Pitts maybe we'll have some guests come on this week tell me stuff like that I'm looking forward to it and the other thing that you guys should be looking forward to is the Locked on Today podcast now that the draft is over who won who lost that's the question of the day. So get more of the sports news that you need in less time with the locked on today podcast, follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And if you need to provide me that feedback to tell me, Aaron, this is why you're wrong. This is why ABC. This is why Terry Fountain is a genius. This is why it makes sense. Please let me know. Hit me up. Twitter locked on Falcons, Facebook locked on Falcons, or you can send an email, lay it all out for me in a 4,000 word email to locked on at mail.com. That's the email address. Please. Let me know. Tell me why forget about that. Jay- Stop being butthurt about the Jalen Mayfield pick. Just focus on Kyle Pitts. Just Aaron, you know what you need to do? You just need to watch some Kyle Pitts film and you'll forget all about the Jalen Mayfield pick. You know, that that's going to be the, the thing that cures me. You're right. You're absolutely right. We figured it out. Thank you, guys. I didn't don't even send those emails. I mean, you can still send them, but we figured it out. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it, guys. then. <laughs> So, guys, uh, postscript, I guess you can call this. And in the process of editing and and uploading this episode, I read the Peter King Football Morning in America article where he talked about the Falcons' decision to select Kyle Pitts um, and how, according to Peter King, it was Trevor Lawrence 1, Kyle Pitts 2 on their draft board. Um, And so, you know, I I guess it's still – that doesn't provide the clarity that, you know, the way that his – article seems to suggest it, that they had absolute confidence in Matt Ryan from the get-go and, and they were never intending to to take a quarterback, which, you know, doesn't make any sense to me, right? I mean, factor in the timing of when you finalize your draft board wasn't until April. So if that decision probably wasn't made until April to not take a quarterback, but it only makes me further confused, right? Because, you know, this article implies that the Falcons were have been all in on Matt Ryan from the jump, Or whatever the case may be, which, again, their actions throughout the entire month of March basically say that that's not true. (laughs) Right. You know, if you were all in on Matt Ryan from the jump, then, you know, all the talk that we heard about them being reluctant to restructure Matt Ryan's contract is either BS. You know what I'm saying? Like, so my expectation reading this article is they they have to extend Matt Ryan this summer. Right? If, if this is true that they have been all in on Matt Ryan, then you know stopping short of restructuring, give him an extension, right? If you if you, if you feel like Matt Ryan's got three, five, whatever many years left in, him, you got to give him an extension, right? Like that's why, like I, I read that I read that article, and to me, it's just I don't know. It, 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 you know, Peter King's a good reporter. He's reporting what he what he hears, but you know, this to me seems like revisionist history because their actions did not show this, and that's part of the reason why you know, Thursday, I was like, oh yeah, they're going to take a quarterback, you know, leading into the draft because all their actions up till then was like, this is definitely on the table. But you read this article and it was like, no, it was never really something that they were entertaining. The only thing that they were ever entertaining was a trade back because apparently the trade conversations stopped and ended with Trey Lance. No one had any interest in coming up for any other player, right? Or maybe they were hoping that someone would come along, you know. And and steal Kyle Pitts from him and blow them away with the trade offer for Kyle Pitts, I guess. I don't know. Uh, It it doesn't provide any more clarity to me. So Uh, there's there's your postscript. I'm even more confused than I was. Uh, That's what I'm saying.